Sports Radio WEEI. It's Christian Arkin, Megan Adelini. It's Arkin and Mego here with you for one more hour. Uh, nice to have you with us here this uh, now evening. Is it still raining outside? Is it I even worse? Bet you it is. It's disgusting. All it was day. Like really all nightmare on Elm Street outside. It is, Every single day, it's foggy yeah. and dark Gross. and scary. Cloud City out there, and uh, not in the not in a good way. Um, we've had uh, some news break here a little bit ago, but uh, I wanted to reset on something that we heard uh, from Rex Ryan, and it was a take so hot that it nearly melted Dan Orlovsky's face. <laughs> and, uh, uh, Rex. I mean, say what you want about New England. No. Is this Bill Belichick, you think, one of his best coaching staff? Hold on, stop. It. Before he even answers, Ryan, just stop. The fact that they set the question up that way. Yeah, this is a little think? peek behind the scenes. If you've ever done TV, if you wonder how TV gets made, this is what happened. I guarantee you, I would bet my dog on this, <laughs> wow. that Rex wow. Ryan and his giant fake chomping teeth walked into the production meeting, you know, an hour before they go on set. This is what happens. Everybody sits down. Oh, what do you have today? What do you have today? Mm -hmm. Rex Ryan comes strolling in and he's like, have I got the take for you? I have a zag you would not believe. Light your hair on fire with this incredible take. Mm -hmm. Because then they they set it up like, okay, Rex, you wanted to talk about this. (laughs) Like you can hear the anchor. Yeah. Here you go, Rex. Rex, you were saying what now? Yeah, let's hear it, Rex. So Uh, Rex... I mean, say what you want about New England. Is this Bill Belichick, you think, one of his best coaching staffs? 100%, I think it is. And and when I look at it, because I compare it to, you know, these, the the, the current New England roster compared to what it used to be when I coached against them. There's one player on that team that would have started for those teams, and that's Matt Judon. Everything else, none of these guys would have started. That's why I call it a JV team. But the, the, the roster may be JV, oh, but the coaching's there? not. Pause, okay. There's there's a lot of things about this take that I hate. But the, like, fake laugh that you do, like, when a priest tells a joke in church, where you're like, <laughs> Good one, Father. He's like, hey, gee, that's why I call this a JV team. Bet you never heard that before. Right. <laughs> All right, continue, please. <laughs> Everything else, none of these guys would have started. That's why I call it a JV team. But the, the, the roster may be JV, but the coaching's not. This dude has done an amazing job. Might be his best year coaching that I've ever seen. That I've ever seen. Bill Belichick has won multiple Coach of the Year awards, by the way, and six Super Bowl rings. And this, this year, this team is the best he's ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's right. Okay. Okay, Bill. Okay, Rex. Um, Listen. I think what's happening here is pretty obvious. I think what's happening here is what usually happens on these discussion shows is that the coaches defend the coaches, the quarterbacks defend the quarterbacks, and the defensive players, def- except for, uh, well, no, I guess uh, Bart Scott did that too, uh, defended the uh, you know the defensive players. That's usually how these things go. And I understand they're athletes or coaches or whatever. That's their perspective. But for Rex Ryan, I mean, listen, this is a guy who never really figured out offense. Like, he's had the Jets offense those years, 09 to however long he coached there. I don't know, 2014, whatever it was. The Jets never had a really good offense. They had those Mark Sanchez years when they went to the AFC Championship game. But their offense was never good. It was always the defense that carried everything. And it, no shock to me that he sees this Patriots team where the offense can't put one foot in front of the other and sees the defense playing pretty well against a bunch of backup quarterbacks and says this is the best team and the best uh, coaching job Bill Belichick's ever done. Like, just very transparent, like, useless. 100%. Okay, Rex, like, really. How could anyone watch this team? How could anyone watch this team try and run their offense? 
and think that the coaching is not just the best ever, but like even acceptable, like acceptable in the NFL. That's just such a wild tag. I can't even believe it. I can't get over it. <laughs> like that's that's insane. Arkan, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I know it's sports radio. The, I'm not I'm not exaggerating here. This is the worst <laughs> opinion I've seen on TV in sports all year. Mm-hmm. This is so dumb I mean, wow. and so factually wrong. So I want to go to the factual side first okay. of why this is wrong. <laughs> because we can talk about how he's dumb. I and mean, we can talk about that for a while. But the factual side, the, the second half of that, he says Matthew Judon is the only guy out there who could hang with a Tom Brady team. There's one player on that team that would have started for those teams, and that's Matt Judon. All right. Listen up, Chompers. Trent Brown played on that 2018 Super Bowl championship team with Tom Brady. He started all... This is that horrible NBA music. Turn that off. I'm sorry. (laughs) I hate that new theme song. This is... He, he started all 16 games of that season. Trent Brown did. Yep. That's why they brought him back. Because what did they do during that season on the offensive side of the ball in order to find themselves in a deep playoff run that took them to the Super Bowl to win the Super Bowl? And how did they win that Super Bowl? It was behind their running game, which was structured around their 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 strong offensive line, including Trent Brown. True. So, like, even just on its very face, you can pick off several other players in the locker room. You know, Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, what, David uh, Andrews. But even that one very integral part of that offense was there with Tom Brady. So, it's on its face, it's inaccurate. Yeah. It's stupid and it's wrong. And I, I just can't. It's wrong. I can't believe that our guy Dan Orlovsky is getting paid, like, if I'm Dan Orlovsky, because if you watch the clip, it's all over Twitter and everything. Yes. Dan Orlovsky's face is like between like he's holding in laugh, laughter and vomit. Yeah. It's that take is so bad. I don't know how he doesn't go into ESPN's offices and be like either like what is Rex Ryan making? You need to pay me more for my face to be next to his face on television when he says these things. And it's not just because of the teeth. It's because what comes out from behind the teeth. Yeah. It's I mean, so bad. Those teeth are pretty pretty special. But going back to the first part of it, so you're talking about this is one of the best coach teams, and people want to make the difference right. between general, like build the general manager and build the head coach. Mm-hmm. And you can say that, okay, you have issues with his general management, that he put these assistant coaches in place, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Maybe you don't like Cam Accord in special teams and what he's been doing with that unit the last couple of seasons. Okay, let's talk about what happens during the week. And a huge part of being a head coach is managing your assistant coaches, managing your coordinators or whatever title you will or won't give them. And you look at one, probably two-thirds of the team, and it's not executing there. He's not executing there. And then you even look at some of the in-game stuff. And I'm just saying that on its face, that's wrong. Look at what they did in the last game. Going for it on fourth and four. When you could just put a bow on the game, just t- taking the points, and instead, for the first time the entire season, you decide to be bizarrely aggressive on offense. There, I just—it's stupid and wrong. And I don't want to hear from him. Anymore. Imagine watching the end of the Raiders game, 
and thinking, wow, what a great job coaching Bill Belichick did today. <laughs> like, this, is, this season is really a triumph for Bill Belichick while Jacoby Myers is throwing a lateral across the field and Mac Jones is getting pile-driven into the ground. Sitting there going, you know what? Bill Belichick should really be proud of this year and what he's done with this team. So, like, come on. That's so ridiculous. And also, when he was the coach of the Jets, that was 09-2014. to 2014. I just looked up who was starting for them in 2010 when they lost in the divisional round. You tell me if any present-day Patriot could start ahead of Brandon Dedrick, Gary Guyton, Brandon Merriweather, Kyle Arrington, and Jermaine Cunningham, or Dane Fletcher. I feel like there's plenty of guys on this defense that could start ahead of all those guys. And those guys all played in that game and all, you know, were, were uh, expected to go out there I think and I'm Raquan McMillan over Dane Fletcher. I mean, come on. I might be crazy. (laughs) Like, you got to be kidding me. And uh, that's, it's not to say, I mean, obviously the Patriots were a better team at that point because they had Tom Brady and they were still, you know, uh, in the mix every year uh, at the top of the conference and the top of the division, to be sure. But to say that none of the guys in this year's defense could play on the 2010 deal, like, yeah, of course they could. It's a bizarre narrative to me to act like the personnel on the offensive side of the ball sucks. Yeah. They don't. I mean, they're good. They have good players. They do. Like, the the off. it's not the 2020 team. And I know that penalties aren't the end-all, be-all of judging if a, if a team is successfully coached or disciplined or not, but it's a pretty good indication of discipline. This team, so far, through 16 games, it has, has 102 penalties. Mm. They've given up 821 total yards in penalties. Compare that to 2020. Regular season, 16 games, 62 penalties. That was a great coaching job by Bill Belichick with the roster that was just Swiss cheese then. It really was. Megan, I hate to cut you off, but we have breaking news. This is breaking news. Breaking news on WEEI is presented by BetQL. Smarter bets start with BetQL. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com today. All right, here's some breaking news you probably weren't expecting today. Bob Nightingale just tweeted a minute ago, confirmed the Boston Red Sox have signed Rafael Devers to an 11-year, $332 million contract extension as first reported by Carlos Baerga. 11 years, $332 million. This right after that uh, one-year in-between deal they uh, signed to avoid arbitration. This extension is confirmed here. It's Nightingale, so we'll see when the rest of the confirmations come out. But 11 years, $332 million. That's a big AAV there for Devers. Um, I guess the Red Sox just finally decided we can't let another guy go, huh? I mean, what, what else could this be? It's I absolutely didn't... the smart move. Yeah, I know it definitely. sounds insane. Look, if you're, if you're just being shallow on the MLB contract situation, you look at 11 years and you go, oh, my God, how can you sign anyone to that? But this is the market. This is the sandbox you're playing in. And you can't let the last of those three walk. Yeah. So to be proactive and get it done, kudos to them. Kudos to Haim. How about that? Good job, Haim. Good job, Haim. And good job uh, to the ownership group for allowing him to spend this kind of money. Because I said, I don't think that they allowed him to do this with Xander Bogarts. I don't think that was a Haim Bloom decision. I don't think necessarily this one was either. I think this was something they all got together with. So for God's sake, thank goodness. Uh, that they have done the right thing here with Rafael Devers. We'll uh, take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll continue to react to the breaking news, the Red Sox, Rafael Devers, 11 years, $332 million on the contract extension. Uh, we'll uh, do more of that right after trending. 
All right, back here, Sports Radio WEEI, Arkan and Mego with you, and we're reacting to the breaking news uh, just a few moments ago. Rafael Devers in agreement with the Red Sox. It's an 11-year, $331 million extension, not 332. Very important. That last million always gets you. Uh, the deal includes a $20 million signing bonus, and it is the largest deal in team history, according to Jen McCaffrey, according to uh, multiple reports. It's the sixth biggest deal in Major League history by total value. And... Uh, for the Red Sox, I got to be honest with you, Megan. I did not see this coming. I thought that Rafael. I thought they had no intention of signing him and bringing him back. I figured that uh, Xander Bogarts was sort of the first domino to fall, and that they would play out the string with Devers, and the same thing would happen with him. I did not expect a historically big deal for the for the team and really for the league uh, to happen right now. I'm I'm pretty blown away, to be honest with you. Yeah, so he's a year away from free agency, and they've signed him through the 2034 season. I think the surprise comes from the lack of proactive negotiation, as you, you talked about Xander, but with Mookie as well. And those are not exact situations, but they haven't been proactive with these guys before pr- free agency before. And we've talked to death particularly the Xander situation where they lowballed him to the point of disrespect where he was essentially addressing the media like through tears talking about just wanting to stay and be on the Red Sox it seems like it was a different calculation with Devers to me the question is whether that was in reaction to how they lost control of the Xander situation going to free agency Mm -hmm. and then getting outbid so astronomically once they were there with him and just losing him completely versus if this was something that was you'd like to think right maybe that this was something that was part of a bigger calculation about who's going to stay and who's going to go from the those core three players when they first brought Heim Bloom in I'm happy that they did this I am I'm happy that they signed Rafael Devers and I'm glad he's going to be here and I'm happy for all of that but I'm kind of pissed off by this news I'm a little pissed off by this news because between Mookie Betts Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers I'm not sure Devers was the one I would have given this to. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm glad that they did, and I'm glad that they're keeping him. I would have liked him to sign everybody, but Mookie Betts, oh, we can't sign Mookie Betts. We don't have the money. Xander Bogarts, ugh, I don't know if we can do that either. We can't. Rafael Devers, 11 years, biggest contract in the history of the team. I just sort of feel like, and maybe, you know, between him and Bogarts, this was the right one. But Mookie Betts was an MVP of the league, and they traded him. You know what I mean? Like, where was the money? Where was this money for him? Why was why weren't they able to do this uh, when when Mookie was up? I feel like you know that's a, that's a relevant question because as great as it is that, that Devers is uh, is going to be here, he was on the team last year. They need more than Rafael Devers for this team to be a winning team. Like you know, they still have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I would say I'm just gonna I'm not gonna slap the waiter for bringing me what I ordered. <laughs> you know, so right. I'm saying if I if I'm calling on ownership and man in management and Heim Bloom to be proactive a year before free agency with these guys who you want to stick around and they do it. I'm not going to go back a couple years and say, what about Mookie? And most recently, what about Xander Bogarts? And particularly depending on who you talk to about the Mookie situation. Well, I am going to do it's, that. It's an equation of whether you, you think that he really wanted to be here or not. Like, depending on who you talk 11 to. 11 years, $333 million, they would have. I mean, I don't know. It, it seems like it seems like that might have gotten the job done. Uh, let's see what Rob Bradford thinks about all this from the award-winning Bradford show and, of course, all the uh, great work he does here and at Odyssey. Uh, Bradford, how you doing, my friend? 
Are you calling me about my Hall of Fame ballot reveal today? Is, yes. that, is that what you're calling me about? No. That's what we'd like to know. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. you got Shoeless Joe for that. That's impressive. Shoeless Joe, that was pretty great. Yes. Uh, Brad Vogt. Well, it's, it's, it's a conversation for another time. I understand <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> 11 years, $331 million, Big signing bonus. Uh, were you, uh, especially after we saw that, that little $17.5 million one-year deal to avoid arbitration, did you see this one coming, or were you as surprised as the rest of us? No, I don't think you could see it coming because they didn't prove that they would ever go to this length, and now they have, and so good for them. And I think that the the deal yesterday meant nothing to me. It meant absolutely nothing. I mean, you're just this is sort of you're going to get the deal done. He got paid a little bit more than a lot of people projected. Good for them. And you were here whispers. Okay, well, you're talking, you're talking, you're talking. But we've heard that a million different times, and I can give you a million reasons why I still wouldn't be optimistic, including that they just weren't going to the lengths it took to get the guys that, that they were going after. But now they have. You've got to, as, as Megan said, I mean, you can't complain about, you know, the, getting whatever the order was that you ordered. I mean, this is what we wanted. This is what everyone said. You have to do that. And that's exactly what you did. And, um, and to me, it's about it landed exactly probably what he was asking. They didn't get it over on him at all. They didn't get any sort of deal for him. That time had come and gone a long time ago. Mm. He had all the leverage, and so there you go. He, he got his deal. Brad Foe, so happy to have you on. Wondering whether you can tie any, um, I guess, relationship between what the franchise just saw happen with Xander in terms of miscalculations that they might have had handling that player to being proactive here you know, a year ahead of free agency and making this deal today. Yeah, I don't think they could play any game. They knew that they couldn't play games anymore. And, you know, I thought they weren't going to play games with Bogart. So when they said that was plan A, because when you hear the Red Sox, this ownership group say something's plan A, usually they, they, they do what it takes to get them. And they did, did the opposite of that. They didn't come close. But in this case, clearly ownership came in and said, whatever we need to do to get this deal done, because we flat out cannot afford to lose this guy. And not only because we can't afford to lose this guy on the field, but we got too many little Rafi Dever shirts out there in the stands that are going to turn into Trevor Story shirts, and there's going to be half as many of them. That's the reality of this situation. They knew that. Ownership knew that. Um, and I, I've said this all along. Yeah, we give High and Bloom a lot of heat. But at the end of the day, like if any GM, if the owners say, we're going to give you all this money and do with it what you want, they're going to spend the money. And I think that was the case here. With that being said, what about Rafael Devers was uh, more worthy of an extension like this than, say, Xander Bogarts or, say, Mookie Betts a couple years ago? Well, it's two different things. I think they always valued Rafael Devers over Bogarts. And obviously it's easy to say because he's younger and so forth and so on. But when we're looking at long-term deals, I think they always thought that Devers was the guy. If they were going to pay money to one guy, it was always going to be Devers. The Mookie thing's interesting because, obviously, it lined it up exactly where they were with Mookie. At this time, Bloom had taken over. He trades Mookie about, you know, about right into February, which would have been a month from now. And so you ask, well, what was the difference? Why didn't you have this money for Mookie Betts? Because... I don't think anyone would argue. I'd rather have Mookie Betts than Rafael Devers. I mean, just overall, that's who I would rather have. Mm-hmm. But 
they didn't they wouldn't they weren't really to, to go that length with Mookie Betts back then. This is according to Heim Bloom because he said we didn't have the farm system. We didn't have the support system. We didn't have the rest of the roster, the guys coming up, which you're going to get the best years of that player that you signed in the big contract with the support of a lot of young players. They didn't feel like they had that, so they didn't feel like they were in position to, to, to give that sort of contract. Asked when, how things have changed with Rafi Devers. He said, the farm system's better. We're in a better position. We're ready to spend this sort of money. This is what he told me back in September. It's what he said again about a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he clearly felt that way because they spent the money. So you say that about back in September, and then we see what falls apart with Xander when he goes to free agency. I'm looking back to reports uh, from the Red Sox last year that were citing the eight-year, $168 million deal between Matt Olson and Atlanta as something that at the time they were looking at uh, with with Raphael Devers. So I'm wondering, does this is this just a one-off? for this particular player, or might this present a new stage in them building out this team, a new way that the, that ownership or Bloom or Together are thinking about how they're going to spend their money in building this team into a contender? No, I, I think that they're, you're still going to see them doing business as they've done business, which is frustrating to a ah, lot of people. Radfo, why I would think, you say, can, I, can you let us know, be happy I, for a minute? I know. Well, okay. They're gonna, you know what they're going to do? They're going to sign Shohei Itani. Oh, nice. Does awesome. that make you feel good? Yeah. There you go. Uh, but this, to me, this is an outlier. And the reason it's an outlier was because, what I said before, they couldn't afford to lose him. They just simply couldn't afford to lose him. And, and let's, not, let's not mistake things here. This is not a perfect player. This is a guy who's had some conditioning issues, a guy who's coming off a year that was, you know, it was pretty good, but it wasn't dominant. It wasn't top 10, you know, MVP, I don't think. And so he's a good player. Like, you have to, but you had no other choice because you needed a foundation player. You needed a foundation player on the field. You needed a foundation player for the business model. You needed to get this done. And, by the way, you had lost all the leverage with the guy. You had no other choice. All the all the all the cards were with with Rafael Devers. He had all the leverage in this thing. The Red Sox knew it. So when you talk about the Matt Olson deal, well, they 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 had to put that in a rearview mirror. The slow playing it was not going to work. They had to come to Rafael Devers level. We're talking with Brad Foe. Um, how many years of this eleven year extension do you think Devers will be playing third base? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I'll say half. It's ambitious, I think. Half. That's an ambitious answer. Yeah, you know, but I'll say this. You know, I think that he, last year, you know, he got a lot better at third. And, I'm, you know, we can't ignore that. He got a lot better. The bigger issue here is going to be the conditioning. It just is. It is. He's really had to fight the whole conditioning thing even throughout his first 25 years of his life. And yeah, he comes in pretty decent shape and everything else. But you know, he's if he wants to stay at third base, he's going to have to stay in decent in decent condition. But uh, yeah, it's a good question. But right now, you know, for at least for the next few years, that's your third base. Bradfield, I said that I I like the proactive nature of this deal, but you bring up that conditioning a couple times. Mm. Is there any concern about okay, he gets the massive fat paycheck now? 
does some of that discipline maybe fall off a little bit? Have you seen it in players across all the sports? Yeah, I mean, you like to think you wouldn't, but it's something that you have to be on the radar. You know, the other part about it is that his guy, you know, is gone. Like, this is (laughs) – Xander Bogarts is gone, and and we know that – now that, you, that he wasn't going to say, oh, Xander Bogart's gone, I'm not sticking around. Yeah, sure. You know, that, it, it all, this is how it always works. You give the years, you give the money, usually it works out. But, you know, with Xander, Xander was a great mentor to him, a great friend to him. And I know he has other friends on the team, but it's, it's a legitimate concern to bring up. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, this, the guy isn't in great shape for 25 years old. And, and, He's uh, he's I think he's got a pretty good work ethic. I think he worked at it, but he has to work at it. So it's something to definitely keep on the radar. All right, um, let's uh, let's now take stock of what's happened here in this off season. You got a new closer. Devers is locked up. You made some moves on the uh, periphery. What's next? Oh man, <laughs> well they keep saying there's going to be a trade, right? Right. I mean, the the problem is though is that they don't want to trade any of their good players. And so I don't know if you know that, but science suggests that if you don't trade good players, you don't get back good players. And, uh, and so that's, a, that's an issue. I don't think, you know, other than, you know, some of the guys like Tanner Houck might have some value. Some of these guys maybe have a little bit of value. Verdugo might have some value. But the trades aren't – if you want to get the impactful guy, that's, I think that's a big ask. All we know is this. This is two – there's sort of three levels of this offseason for them. They absolutely failed the first one, which is they had all this money to spend mm. and they didn't get you know, any of the top 25 free agents. Okay, that's coming on. They got some decent players in Yoshida and J- Kenley Jansen and Justin Turner and these guys. That's fine. Okay, that's great. But that's not what we're talking about. You need foundation guys when you lose foundation guys. The other part is Devers. All right, you passed that one. Now the only one that we have to wait on and see is how are you going to actually do what you said you're going to do is trade and maybe take on some salaries instead of getting the five guys for the one guy, actually get the one guy to give up the five guys. Brad Foe, uh, given the way that the last season went and that we have uh, on this show talked to Alex Cora about how he doesn't intend to be a career uh, manager, do you think that this having Rafi around, you know, having a long term deal with him uh anchors anything with alex in terms of uh you know sticking around perhaps uh, more than one more season two more seasons i think it's a good question because i think if you lose devers that conversation gets a little uh, well a lot more awkward because you know at the end of the day any manager any man especially a manager in boston who's won a world series they want to win, and they want the players who are going to, to actually make you win. And in this division, this division got tough from top to bottom. So you better allocate some resources to winning. And if you're not doing that and you're Alex Cora, well, you know, in, in a couple of years, if Devers left, you know, that's a tough pill to swallow. And, and, and he's probably looking at, maybe looking at other places or other jobs or whatever it is. If there isn't that idea that, hey, we're all in it to win it, if he does have other options. But I think it's a good question. I do think the Devers thing makes a big, big difference in that respect. Makes a big listen. Let's be honest. The Devers thing is a huge thing because, A, immediately you stop the bleeding when it comes to ticket sales. And, B, 
you always need foundational guys, and you were able to keep one of them, no question about it. All right, Bradford, before we let you go, any truth to the rumor that this is all a result of uh, John Henry getting booed at the Winter Classic? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a feeling that, you know, uh, at the, if he showed up to the Raphael Devers press conference and walked in the pre- went to the parking lot, you'd probably get some of the same reaction regardless. So there's, there's, uh, there's, once Bogart's left, there's a lot of fence, fences to mend. Um, and and this, this season coming up, you know, it's still going to be an uphill battle in terms of getting the fan base on board. And yeah. They can. Uh, 2013 they did. But remember, 2013 it took a, a while to do it. But this was certainly a huge, huge step in the right direction. One real quick follow-up. Does this salvage High and Bloom's uh, reputation in town, at least for the time being? Oh, I think I think Time Bloom's reputation is going to be salvaged and defined whether or not they win this year. And I hate to like say that in such a general term, but it's it really is. It helps. It certainly if Devers leaves, I mean his Q rating isn't great, but but still, I think that this is this is it's going to, how Heim Bloom is doing things is still the way Heim Bloom wants to do things. And if that works out and that turns into wins then it's going to be okay. But if it doesn't, because they're not running isolations for Rafael Devers. He needs eight other guys there. And and we're going to find out if he has the right eight other guys to actually win. All right. Well, then we'll leave it right there. Rob Bradford, thanks so much for taking some time uh, tonight. Great to hear from you. And uh, good on the Red Sox for their big All right. signing. <laughs> All right. Always a pleasure. See you guys. All right. Thanks, that's Brad Phone joining us here yeah. on uh, Arcandon Mega. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and wrap things up next here on the program. Sports Radio WEEI, Christian Arcand, Megan Ottolini, the uh, 10th member of the Wu-Tang Clan, if you're watching on Twitch. <laughs> right after uh, ODB, after ODB passed, I think that you became the new uh, the newest Wu-Tang member. Anyways, um, we just got this news. They call me Long Chet. <laughs> yeah, everybody in the Wu-Tang has like three different nicknames. <laughs> I always thought that was weird. One nickname's enough. Um, the uh, big news, obviously, that is Rafael Devers, 11 years. $331 million with a signing bonus. Jeff Passan, though, had a tweet, and in the tweet, he said, this deal is not done yet. What? Still got to do the, Wait, uh, do 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 the oh, physical. Wait, what is that like? It's still got to do the physical. You told us the deal was done, and it's, it's not done? Done. deal is not done. The physical process has not started, but in the that end... That must be very stressful. Devers is expected to remain in Boston. Yes, pray for that physician who has to check him out. <laughs> and then lie to the Red Sox and be like, yeah, he's fine. Um, although he probably is fine. Honestly, like we talked about conditioning a lot with Bradford just now. But I thought that he was in pretty decent condition last year. I thought that he, you know. Compared to the years before, yeah. Sure, when he looked more like Pablo Sandoval. And listen, I mean, when guys get older, especially sort of, you know, beefy, baby fat guys like that, they get older, they usually don't, you know, trim down. But uh, I think that, you know, he's got a lot of incentive to now, for sure. Um, Does he? Well, actually, yeah, maybe not. That's maybe what that's The money's why all guaranteed. Maybe he doesn't it. have the incentive. I know now. this is a very shallow conversation for the baseball diehards, for you seam heads. Mm. But a lot of times when athletes get paid, some of the motivation and incentive does go out a yeah, little bit. Now, he's point. young, and I'm sure he wants to win again, so there's that. I'm not going to discount that. From Chris Cotillo from Mass Live, he says, Biggest deal in Red Sox history, Devers deal on top of the $17.5 million agreement for 2023 is actually $348.5 million over the next 12 seasons. Wow. So close to 350 
it's not bad. I uh, did not. I did not think they were going to go to that level. Yeah, I really didn't. I thought that this like was the new philosophy of the Red Sox. We don't spend money like this. We don't do eleven year. Con- it's like remember when they didn't pay pitchers over thirty? Like I thought this was just the new thing that they're doing. And you know, the hell with anybody who doesn't like it. We're not spending that kind of money. We're not going to just be the Padres and chuck a lot of money around. No, no, no. We're going to be smart and we're going to you know trade for prospects and draft well and all this other crap. And I was just sort of resigned to the fact that that was the fate of the Red Sox, at least for the remainder of the high and bloom years here, however long that is. Um, this this is a pleasant surprise. It really is. But there's still, I mean, I still feel like there's so much work to do. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask, does, do you now start to give high and bloom maybe a little more leniency? Does he get more of a benefit of the doubt from you after this is all said and done? I mean, for me, I never blamed high and bloom for any of this other stuff. I didn't blame him for Xander Bogarts. I didn't blame him for Mookie Betts. I know that, uh, you know, it's you easy to do that. You didn't blame him for Xander? No, I didn't. I think that if the uh, ownership group had said, you have enough, we have enough money and you can spend on this and we want Bogarts and, you know, this is uh, what we're willing to pay. Two hundred. They you think that was, at the very beginning. Do you think that was a High and Bloom decision and nobody else? Like I, th- I don't, I don't see. I don't think that High and Bloom told ownership guys. I High and Bloom am deciding unilaterally that we're not going to go above this number for Xander Bogart. I just don't. I don't. I just don't believe that. I question whether High and Bloom, in the Xander conversation in particular, understood the marketplace. Understood that first deal that they offered him was so low it and was. embarrassing. That I don't know, like that. That's where, to me, it's a question of judgment. I mean, how do you like? Unless he went to Xander, which it doesn't sound like, with his tail completely tucked between his legs, and was like, "Ah, this is embarrassing. This is all we have to offer you." Like to me, that was just a complete. He completely misread the market. There. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I think that uh, there's also the possibility that they gave him a top dollar and he just offered it first and said, this is this is the most we can give you. Here it is. This is the most that Warner and Henry are allowing with me to Raffi spend. With Rafi or with Xander? With Xander Bogarts. And said, this is the most that they're allowing me to spend. And if I could go higher, I would, Are you talking would, about in free agency? I'm talking about the insulting offer. I'm talking about the insulting offer that went to Bogarts. That, I just don't understand, though, how then they would make such a wild swing if it came from ownership. To me, this I'm just reading this on the surface. It looks more like uh, like a, an unpracticed person in this role mm. who's learning as he goes. Yeah, I mean, I think and there's I a world how... where you guys are both right. Oh, I thanks. Mean, Devers thanks, or Xander Bogarts. <laughs> yeah. It, it, that's the thing. Is like He was probably told by ownership that you can have one or the other, mm. and he maybe made the decision that I want Devers long-term to build something that I, I need because he knows he has Marcelo Myers down in the minors. True. You're right about that. And I think between Bogarts and Devers, Devers is probably the higher priority. I'd agree with that, too. Um, but anyways, uh, without any further ado, let's get to uh, almost the end it's of the show. The almost end of the show. We're not at the end of the show yet, but we are at the almost end of the show. And yesterday we've explored a bit of the friction that seems to be developing between Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. Skip Bayless had a really rough Monday night after tweeting out uh, about how uh, the how could you possibly suspend Bengals uh, Buffalo with, with all the playoff implications going on. And I'm not a regular viewer of Undisputed, the show they do on Fox Sports 1. You are missing out, my friend. I, apparently I am because <laughs> it gets really kind of hot and nasty and not in the, the fun way, but in the hot sports talk to baby kind of way. I'm going to take you back to something, a segment that these two were having back in December, and I believe Tom Brady came up and uh, Skip was not very happy with Shannon. Shannon was not very happy with Skip. 
still playing at a high level at 45 when you had to stop at 35. Yeah, that's what you that's do. That's the point. That's what you do. Every time somebody, every time I call something into question, I'm jealous. No. Yeah, I did well, what I did. I never did. said you were jealous of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I did what I did. You make it seem like I was a bum. I'm in the effing Hall of Fame. Okay, I so got three what? Super Bowls. So what? So what? He's way better than you were. I'm better way than you were. I got to see what you do. You take personal shots. No, when, for I, don't, I don't take yeah. personal oh, shots. You time started it. Time out. You would take a personal shot at me. I so didn't take a personal shot at you. Wait a minute. What are you talking about? You would take a personal shot. Put your glasses back on. <laughs> Can I finish? You're willing to take a personal shot at me to say this man is better than me because I say he's playing bad this year? Well, because you 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 dis Go ahead. you disrespect him. It's it's just so. It so you would just you know what? It's beneath your you dignity. You would disrespect me to no. support him. No, well I'll, I'll support him over anybody because he's the greatest player who ever have played your it. game, and it's by have far. At it. Have at it. Okay? Take off. I'm bro. going to have at it because I'm going to have at you. Woof. Okay, so that was about halfway through December, and that was sort of the the first indication that things might not be so great. Put your glasses back on with Skip and Shen. Finish, please. So Skip Bayless did his show yesterday solo. There was no Shannon Sharp. And again, more speculation abounds. A lot of inside media people are saying that their uh, relationship right now is at the lowest that it's ever been. So Shannon Sharp was back in studio today and obviously addressed a couple things about why he was not out. And it went about as well as you would expect. Good to see you, Shannon. I understand you have something you want to share. Good morning. Yes. Good morning. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation of why I wasn't on air yesterday, and I won't get into speculation or conjecture or innuendo, but I will say this. In watching that game on Monday night, uh, what happened to DeMar Hamlin struck me a little different. Um, as a brotherhood in the NFL, when injuries happen, when we know injuries are a part of the game, I've seen guys suffer ACLs and Achilles tear, but I've never seen anybody have to be revived and fight for their life on the field. So it struck me a little differently because I remember seeing my brother paralyzed on the field temporarily, and he was able to regain focus. Um, Skip tweeted something, and although I disagree with the tweet, uh, and, and uh, hopefully uh, Skip would take it down, but I didn't want it. Well, yes. Time out, time out. I'm not going to take it down because okay. I stand by okay. what I tweeted. Skip, let me okay. finish. Let me All right, okay. Go ahead. No, you go. Go ahead, let's go, Jen. Okay. I mean, I cannot even get through a monologue without you interrupting okay. me. Well, you could have came back, Skip. Well, I thought, Skip, just let me. I, I didn't I, know I, you I were going to bring no, up No, this. I was just going to say, Skip, I didn't want to yesterday to get into a situation where DeMar Hamlin was the issue. We should have been talking about him and not get into, okay. your, not get into your, uh, your tweet. That's what I was going to do. But you can't even let me finish my opening monologue without you interrupting. Okay. I was under the impression you weren't going to bring this up because nobody here had a problem with no, that tweet. No. Clearly, the bosses wanted you to offer explanations, so clearly somebody No, they did not have... The, nobody... Let's go, Jay. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers uh, remain with Damar Hamlin. That's where the focus should have been, or not on the football game. Yes, let's go, Jan. Thank you. <laughs> Wow, poor Jan. Wow, you know Jan I had to jump into that. Oh, yeah, the the the, the, the not Joy Taylor. I I'm, I apologize. I don't know the young woman's name, but yeah, is in an impossible position where you have two longtime hosts who it really does sound like they're legitimately tired of each other. It's riveting television. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, usually they're just screaming. That is way better. No, this is this is different because I'm totally with Shannon. Like, even if you skip, thought this is where it's all ego. Even if you skip thought that he wasn't going to bring up your tweet it, you can't ignore it because everyone knew that that's why Shannon Sharp wasn't on the show yeah in Hall of Fame okay. I so got three what? Super Bowls so what? so what he's way better than you were I'm better than way you better. Skip, what I, I gotta see what you do 
Uh, I don't think that that pairing is long for this world. I I hope those crazy kids could figure it out. That was the almost end of the show, which brings us right into the end of the show, where Rich Keefe will join us. uh, Not join us, but starts it. He'll take over. He's going to take over, 6 p.m. Very good. Want to say thanks to Scal. Want to say thanks to Dan Orlovsky. We're back tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We'll talk to you then. Bye.